right, here we go. This is uh, episode number 115 of No Laugh Track Podcast. Thanks to Circle of Heat for letting us play the music there, as always. Uh, if you haven't yet, leave a review or comment on iTunes. That's uh, where a lot of people get the show, besides the Podbean site. And uh, that helps our placement and get us more attention. So please, if you like the show, you know, show us some support and uh, leave some comments there. Right now, we have a return guest. He was on once before, May of 2013. So it's been over a year. We're due. For a visit from Will Durst. Hey, hey, how you doing, Justin? Good. I'm, I'm, I'm fantastic. I'm. Uh, it's good. It's nearly the weekend. We usually record the show on Wednesdays. It's Thursday, so we're that much closer to the weekend. I'm liking that. Yeah. Well, for me, uh, you know, the weekend is when I really work. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. when I go to work. Yeah. Which is weird. Being, you know, the counterintuitive uh, schedule of comedians, which is why we call the rest of the people civilians. Because <laughs> right. uh, we don't live a civilian life, which means that we can go to matinees and movies mm-hmm. during the week. Yeah. But uh, our weekends, I'm going out to see this concert. Eh, great. I have to work. Yeah, right, right. right. Yeah. Uh-huh. I uh, don't have to work, like to work. Yes. Enjoy working. You said that ex- I listened back to most of our first talk here in the last few days I listened to it and uh, you said that exact same thing yeah. that you like to work. So that it hasn't changed in a year and a half. That's good. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Always need more work. Uh, absolutely. And then this week you've been working not just here. You were here last night. Today's Thursday. You did a show last night. Tuesday no show. You were not here. I uh, actually I was. Oh, you were. Yeah. Oh. That was a mix up. You're yeah. kidding. No. Well, what the heck? I know. You've been a busy uh, guy. Yeah, and uh, there's a bunch of stuff uh, happening right now. Uh, weird stuff. Uh, there's a book that's uh, that I contributed to uh, being brought out by Laughing Liberally, and that's uh, that's going to come out in a couple of weeks. There's a movie. Yeah, what's this? Uh, Sarah was telling me about this. Yeah, I'm... Um, I'm uh, one of the titular characters of a documentary called Three Still Standing. Okay. And the conceit of the film is it's about uh, comics who started doing it in the 80s and they kind of missed uh, the, you know, the train to the big time and they're still doing it. And uh, why would they still continue to do this even though, you know, fame has eluded them up till now? And it's me, Johnny Steele, and Larry Bubbles Brown. Uh, we're all three Bay Area comics. Okay. And uh, it, it's kind of interesting because, you know, they t- the filmmakers talked to comics who did catch the gravy train. You know, Robin Williams and Dana Carvey and Bobby Slayton and Paula Poundstone and Rob Schneider. And, you know, they were all contemporaries of us. Mm-hmm. They speak glowingly of us. Oh, they uh, remember you. Which is really nice. Yeah. Well, we still run into each other. I you know. know. And uh, that's premiering at the Mill Valley Film Festival on October 4th. And then there's a couple more screenings. And then we got into the Denver Film Festival and the Austin Film Festival. So don't know what's going to happen. Is that something you'll go on the road with? You know, that's the problem that we're uh, encountering right now, whether or not people's schedules can accommodate. Because these film festivals, <coughs> excuse me, they, they kind of don't let you know until the very end. Oh. And, you know, comics, we try to book three or four months in advance. Right, so. right. 
so we're running in. But uh, the one in Austin looks like uh, we'll try to make it down because I think the screenings are a Monday and a Wednesday, so that fits in good. Yeah, yeah. Denver, I don't know about. But uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, whether it makes other film festivals, whether it gets picked up for distribution or, you know, someone sent it to Showtime and... And when HBO heard that we sent it to Showtime, they wanted a copy. Ah, so. yeah, there you go. Yeah, well, you never know. Yeah. You never know. I mean. Well, that's really cool. I uh, so How long, so you've known the other two guys? Oh, yeah. Back, yeah, yeah. To back the 80s? in the day. Back in the day. Yeah. When comedy was still in black and white, right <laughs> after North America had cooled. Um, but it's, it's interesting, because San Francisco was kind of like the left bank of comedy. I mean, the, um, the city itself had always kind of thought of stand-up comedy as an art form. And for a lot of the early years, it was uh, we would get the Illuminati of audiences. I mean, there was this old meme back then that comedy was the new rock and roll in the 80s. And there were a couple of reasons for that. One, uh, the baby boomers uh, you know, were starting to hit their 30s and 40s, and uh, they didn't want to stand up. Right. And uh, they wanted to sit down and they wanted to hear the lyrics. And comedy had found its anti-authoritarian voice and and so it kind of replaced rock and roll as a, you know, as the new Oh yeah. Yeah. And that I remember, man, we went from 40 full-time clubs in the country in 1984 to 440 in 1992. You know, and just so anybody who had 45 minutes in a car was a headliner. You know? Does that mean the pay got worse, better, stayed the same? Oh, no, no, no. I mean, you were, which is why a lot of comics descended into distraction because, you know, we were used to working for nothing, you know, and from, you know, when I started out in 74 in Milwaukee and then I moved to San Francisco in 79 and you know comedy there was no money in comedy you know 35 bucks here 35 bucks there you know uh, so you're talking about comics who are used to making maybe 14 15 grand a year <laughs> suddenly they're making 40 50 grand a year that's Man, a def- that's a change of lifestyle right well they there. don't have time to change their lifestyle cuz they're working all the time yeah. now which is why drugs and you know sex. Well, I thought that was the first thing you were going to say was the drugs that in compare, comparison well, to rock and roll. They were able to afford the drugs, sure. you know. And every club owner, <laughs> every club had at least one waitress who was dealing cocaine. So, <laughs> uh, sometimes there there was competition, which lowered the price. You know, supply and demand. Sure. Um, she, was, back yeah, to Showtime yeah, and HBO economics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And, well, Showtime and HBO actually created comedy. You know, I mean, they uh, HBO with the on-location thing, mm-hmm. and then A&E, you know, with Evening at the Improv, and mm-hmm. then Night at Caroline's, and then Comedy on the Road, and, and they were running Evening at the Improv three times a day, so... A and E was pretty much the the comedy and Nazi channel, you know. I mean, <laughs> right. because they were doing the History Channel, the thing documentaries, back then. yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So, so uh, when cable killed comedy, it was only fair and right and true and just because they had birthed it. So, because they just got too overexposed, and then there was kind of a bust, and and then there was a boom, and another bust, and every generation has its boom and bust. You uh, well, you mentioned him. You mentioned Robin in your uh, talk just the last few minutes. I did indeed. You were pals with him. I was pals, but my wife and her partner um, really knew him much better than I. Oh, okay. 
My wife is an improviser, and she works with a guy named Mike, and her name is Deb, so they creatively called themselves Deb and Mike. There you go. And they went out, and <laughs> they toured for 20 years, you know, and now she's back into acting, her first love, and where she got her degree in uh, at San Francisco State, and he's running trade shows, but we they still keep their their hand in it. They're, you know, we, we do a lot of gigs together, maybe 15, 20 a year. But uh, she and uh, Debbie and Michael both worked with Robin pre-Mork. Wow. I mean, they knew him when he was the funniest guy in the room before he was the funniest guy on the face of the planet. Right. So they always uh, kind of had uh, a much, you know, um, well-woven relationship. And I was just Debbie's husband. Ho, oh, Mr. Durst. Ho, oh. And that was about it, uh, you know. But he would he would come. Uh, he was ubiquitous in the in the Bay Area, you know. And they, they always talk about in athletics. They talk about gym rats, and Robin was a club rat. That's what I'm hearing that more and Even more. Even when he was filming a movie, yeah. you know, if he was filming a movie in Carolina, he'd go to Charlie Goodnights and in Raleigh afterwards, and and try to work out, and that was his gig. Yeah. And, I mean, we saw that when he unfortunately uh, um, turned to the dark side. But every comic in the world, you know, changed his profile picture on Facebook. To, oh, absolutely. To a picture of him with Robin. Mm -hmm. And you think of any other big-time comedy guy. You know, that doesn't happen with Seinfeld no. or Leno or, no. or any of those guys. You know, but Robin was so gracious and... And he would uh, wait until every comic was done before going up. I mean, he didn't try to get prime time. Yeah, I've you been know? hearing that. Yeah. yeah, he was he was just a generous and gracious guy, and that's and who knew, who knew, you know, the demon that was eating. Yeah, no kidding. We uh, when I was looking uh, stuff up, to, you know, in anticipation of talking to you today, I comedy day was something that popped up online. Comedy Celebration Day. Can you tell me about that? It was Sunday. It was just Sunday. And my wife is uh, the executive producer, uh, captain of the board or whatever. <laughs> so she had to put it all together. And what happened was uh, she was a volunteer. And then Jose Simone, who was the president of the board, he he died. And then the CEO turned everything. So she just kept accumulating these different tasks. And she almost single-handedly, I mean, she she gets the permits and she arranges for the sound and the trucks and the tents and the food and the beer and and she makes up the lineup so you got to talk to her if you want to be on the show so it she was, lets you in right she i'm the only person who's done all 34 look at that i've done it well she has yeah you know uh, she has and uh, we're the only two we're like the um, uh, Akasha and uh, Ann Keel of uh, stand-up comedy. Those were the ancient vampires in Interview with a Vampire. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, that's that's who <laughs> we are. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it went on this year. And we petitioned the city because so many comics wanted to come up for Comedy Day this year because it was going to be a tribute to Robin. Okay. <clears throat> so instead of five hours, noon to five, the city gave us an extra half hour and told us that uh, if we got off one minute before six, we were okay. Hmm. So that's what we did. And then at the very beginning of the uh, the show, Debbie read this uh, speech that she she just 
it uh, it was hard for her to get through. Wow. And then uh, from the backstage, because normally we have a San Francisco-centric uh, backdrop, and it was all draped in black, and then uh, this giant 30-foot photo of Robin performing at Comedy Day okay. uh, came down. And wow. it was, yeah, there wasn't a try in the place. Wow. Yeah. And he was such a great benefactor of Comedy Day and the Holy City Zoo, where he started, which is one of the reasons that I moved to San Francisco, because in 78, when I was in Milwaukee, this article came out in Playboy about Robin, and they had a little sidebar about the Holy City Zoo. Yeah, I want to hear about this. The club where he, you know, performed and, and got his start. And and I thought, oh man, that sounds like, and that's so cool. And that's one of the major reasons why I moved to San Francisco instead of Chicago or Boston, the other two cities where you could earn money in stand up. Uh-huh. Not New York or L.A. because, as we all know, everybody's willing to do it for free for exposure. <laughs> but in the Midwest, you know, they teach us you can die from exposure. So <laughs> um, it was Chicago, Boston, San Francisco, and I gravitated towards San Fran, and. Uh, you know, when I was in Milwaukee, I think I've been on stage yeah. in that previous month yeah. before I moved maybe six times, you know. Yeah. And the first week I was in San Francisco, I was on stage eight times. And wow. It was like comedy Valhalla. Sure. You know I mean, and the first time I appeared at the Holy City Zoo, and the Holy City Zoo just had a beer and wine license, and it was all wood, and it was a former folk club, and it the official seating capacity, I think, was 49. I mean, it was tiny, yeah. tiny, tiny place. And the first time I, I performed on a Sunday at the Punchline, and then Monday I went to the zoo, and they had an open mic. And the guy who ran the open mic had seen me the night previously at the Punchline. Yeah, yeah, we'll put you on. You know, I mean, it was so easy back then. Okay. And so uh, I'm sitting there at the bar. Waiting to go on, and the bar is right next to the stage. Only there's a bunch of chairs, so you get to go around to the other side. But and uh, Michael Pritchard was on stage. I was supposed to follow him, and Pritchard was uh, we call him Saint Mike because he actually walks the walk. He doesn't just make the talk. I mean, they call him. He went to Red Wing when they had the child when they had the the school shooting, and he's like a grief counselor. And, okay, and he's just a big old guy he's six four he was wearing two inch cowboy boots and the zoo had uh with heels and the zoo had these little mini pitchers they weren't full 64 ounce pitchers they were 48 ounce pitchers sure okay so he goes on stage and he's got this this miniaturized pitcher in his hand so for shortening i mean he looks like you know not six four or six six with two inch cowboy he- heels but he looks like he's seven eight you know okay. at this tiny club holding this tiny and he said this is everything i learned in college and he chugged the pitcher while well, the crowd and there was only like 15 20 crowd goes crazy and I go, of course oh crap i gotta follow this <laughs> Uh, so he does 20 minutes, and then I'm supposed to go on. And I get up, and I see the MC at the other side of the stage, and he's waving me to sit back down. And he said, we have a special guest. And they introduced Robin. And this was right at the height, you know, the second year of Mark and Mindy. And, and so Robin comes in, and, and the crowd goes crazy, and the word goes up and down Clement Street with this little you know, business section in San Francisco in the middle of the Richmond district. And uh, 
people from the Zanzibar and Max's 540 and Churchill's and and uh, and every every club they're they're running literally running down the street. I mean the Twilight Bark went out. Robin's on because he made occasional appearances. Yeah, yeah. So I mean the place is packed within ten minutes of him hitting the stage. Packed, not just packed, not just standing at the bar, but standing on the sidewalk on their tiptoes trying to look in. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah, and he does 45 minutes and he's, you know, he's sweating. He's he's like a honey bear, you know, he's he's uh, hairy and sweating and <laughs> right. throwing sweat on the, and the crowd is going crazy and, and he finishes and the MC gets up, ladies and gentlemen, Robin Williams. And next up, and I get up, and I and I can't get to the stage because people are so busy leaving after Robin. I can't. It's like a salmon trying to swim upstream. So it ta- so the MC has to stall until I can get to the stage. Oh no! And then I died a horrible death. And there was only like five people left in the audience because Robin had gone out to the sidewalk and started riffing out no. there. So they they were three deep in. A circle around him on the sidewalk. Yeah, so that was the first time I met him. <laughs> you and ended he, up competing against a sidewalk. Uh, yeah, I artist. did. Yeah. yeah, and he had more people in the sidewalk. <laughs> That's not easy to do. I just want to say, uh, I just want to ask one more thing, or actually, just I want to bring up one more thing about that. One of the articles I was reading about, uh, you know, what was going on just you know a month or so ago when Robin passed away was the. Uh, it says your wife. Eight eleven. Yes, it was. Uh, says your wife sent out. 408 Clement, be there, aloha. That was the address of the Holy City Zoo. Yeah. And what happened was, it's not a comedy club anymore. It's just a bar. And we all went to the Holy City Zoo because somebody had had posted, you know, because it just hit like a bomb. You know, I mean, New York had 9-11, San Francisco had 8-11. And it was... Because he was such a, you know, rooted in the community and and uh, the comedy community especially. So, yeah, she just sent out 408 Clement, and everybody knew that was the address of the Be There Aloha. And about 30 people wow. showed up and, you know, dropping flowers. And, and it, was, it was so funny because, you know, when the zoo, Holy City Zoo, uh, but we just called it when the zoo was you know busting and and it, it kind of died in ni- it died in 1992 but for those 10 years you know between 82 and 92 it was the clubhouse because at one time there were 14 full-time clubs within 90 miles of san francisco okay i mean they, that the comedy boom right and and people would always end up at the zoo you do a wednesday night in walnut creek and you come back in town and you go to the zoo and you you might go on stage but there was always people you know if they were headline of the punchline they from out of town they'd end up at the zoo that's where you hung out yeah yeah because you got free beer you know? <laughs> that was one of it but you uh-huh. also cuz you know comedy's all about networking and sure. you know and there was no money at the zoo none at all but people would share gigs and you know we had that kind of community but but nobody stayed in side the zoo to watch, you'd go in and get a beer, and you'd watch maybe five minutes of that. But you'd hang out on the sidewalk, smoking and drinking, sure. and, and hitting each other in the arm, and playing <laughs> yeah, dead yeah. arm and stuff. And <laughs> and so that's exactly what happened on Monday, August eleventh. Was thirty people showed up? We went into the bar, got a beer, hung out, and smoked and drank on the sidewalk. Yeah, that's and it was, great. It was so. It was so. And people. It was cathartic. People. 
know, they needed and a lot of hugging and a lot of tears. And Debbie was, you know, much closer to him than I was. And she, she cried for about 10 days straight. Because you know? we also know his administrative assistant. Uh, she's a close uh, personal friend of the family. And, mm-hmm. and uh, she was the one who... Um, unfortunately found him oh and yeah it was it was so that part was uh really tough and just the fact that everywhere you went i mean you know they had makeshift memorials in uh, boulder you know in front of the more community house House. yeah they had three of them in san francisco one in front of his old house in seacliff one in front of his new house in tiburon i know there was one in mrs doubtfire in front of the mrs doubtfire house yeah amazing and there were there were uh makeshift uh you know memorials in in new york and wherever wherever people saw and i don't i don't remember anybody's you know death touching people like this maybe uh, maybe Lennon, you know, maybe maybe Michael Jackson, but I don't even think Michael Jackson had such a such an impact. So. Uh, yeah, I I would say with Michael Jackson, it probably as much attention, but the love going out to Robin and the respect is, you know, far outweighs anything that Michael got and in his controversial lifestyle. So yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and you know, Robert had the had the demon with the drugs and the alcohol, and you know, he was just—I don't know what he was—he was trying to uh, self-medicate or something. But but he, people felt, you know, that he touched them somehow. I mean, and you think about—he was one of the top five comics, you know, in the country. But he was also one of the top. 20 actors yeah i mean you think of all those roles that he did and i think we had just gotten so used to him being around that you know that maybe maybe the absence does make the heart go fonder but maybe it's also you you need that attitude to make people think seriously of of your work but 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 he didn't have that and then you look back on his work and you know there's 10 roles at least that are iconic oh absolutely you know and a lot of them are dramatic roles yeah yeah i uh i was listening like i said i listened back to our first uh, podcast we did together and i totally forgot this but you mentioned that you did a movie with him that you were cut out of oh jack yeah. yeah but i got to meet uh well, I knew Robin. I saw him on the set, but I got to meet Francis Ford Coppola, so that was cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I almost accosted him once for cutting me out of my out of the movie, <laughs> but he was probably right. <laughs> you said you had three lines, uh, three or four. Yeah, I was I was a motorcycle cop, and I was stopping uh, this because you know Jack is the movie where he has. Uh, that disease, progeria, that ages him. Age, and, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was also, uh, they, it was part of uh, the pregnancy. So the woman's only four months pregnant, but she's going to have a baby, and they're at a costume party. So there's this car full of weirdly costumed people rushing to the hospital, and, and I was a motorcycle cop who stopped uh, the car, and, and of course, then, but it didn't make it. I wasn't over the top enough. I don't. Know. <laughs> what uh, now? Another thing I think I know about Robin Williams, and I definitely know about you, Giants fan, San Francisco Giants. He fan. was a Giants fan. He was. He had season tickets for a while. You just couldn't keep it up. And I'm. I'm a big Giants fan. You still have your tickets? Yeah, 
Yeah. Unfortunately, Debbie, you know, she had comedy day, which kind of eats up her life for the last 10 weeks before it. It's always the last Sunday of summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's she's in a play. She's playing the nurse in Romeo and Juliet at Marin Shakespeare Festival. And she's rehearsing a play. She's rehearsing Madame Arcati in uh, the musical version of Blight Spirit, which is called High Spirits, and she's directing a play. So, Jeez. Yeah, but it's just a one-act in a, in a series of one-acts. But she is so busy, and for some reason, August and September have been busy for me, you know, which, you know, usually uh, uh, August is a light month. But uh, I got no work in November and December, so, but uh, they don't play baseball in November and December, so I, I was kind of locked out of uh, seeing many games this year. Have you been paying attention to their season? Oh, yeah. Of course, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, they've got a chance for the playoffs, right? They're in the wild card hunt? Yes. And they're, they also won the last two, and the Dodgers lost the last two, so they're only two games out of the Western Division. But the A's, on the other hand, and you know, I just pay attention because they're in the Bay Area. Yeah. But the poor Twins. <laughs> what is the deal? Beautiful field. Yeah. Have you made it over? Yeah. No, not yet. No, yeah. But Saturday, the game starts at 6, and my show doesn't start till 8, so I might wander over Saturday. Uh, great tickets still available, from what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> well, according to the amount of people you know on the telecast that yeah. weren't at the game but, uh, yeah. last night, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, uh, they actually had their... Uh, but they're playing the Indians this weekend. This coming weekend? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that won't be a good draw. No. No, 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 no. no. Tigers, you would think, would be a good draw. Yeah, that's who they've been playing this week. Yeah. I don't know what the uh, story is. Even great weather last night. Well, of course, you drew them in here, so they got yeah, that stiff we competition. Had a, we had a good crowd. And, man, this week, Stephen Gillespie and Miss Shannon Paul, and it's what a great lineup. I mean, they're so they're smart, and they set the audience uh, up, and, you know, it's not, it's not all this wah humor, you know. <laughs> You know, like, uh, which is one of the reasons why I hate working comedy clubs. But this one, you know, this club is such an aberration because of the way Lewis books it. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Most most comedy club owners, you know, they look at the the line of liquor sales at the end of the week and they attach that to the comic. And then then next year they pick the comics who have sold the most liquor. <laughs> and Lewis isn't like that. He's he's speaking of an aberration. <laughs> no kidding. Very loyal guy. Very, very loyal guy. Um, how about the uh, football? We've covered baseball. You're a football fan, too, I know. Yeah, poor Adrian Peterson. Boy, oh, boy. You know, he was just disciplining his kid the way that he got disciplined. Well, and... then there should be nothing wrong with it, right? That's what I think. <laughs> uh, that's, it's a switch. You know, he didn't have any permanent damage. <laughs> How, how was the <laughs> was corporal punishment popular in Milwaukee? And- oh yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, corporal. Well, it's uh, it's you know I mean where do you decide you know how a parent be you know uh, behaves with his uh, child? I mean where do you draw the line? I mean uh, you know is the kid gonna be able to threaten his father with his livelihood by saying, I'll go to the press, you hit me, you yeah. know. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I I think there's stuff that we don't know, and that might be the problem. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm sure you're just thankful your uh, Packers and 49ers aren't having problems like that. <laughs> the Niners, man. <laughs> 
the Niners are so messed up. Uh, but the, the Seahawks don't look that good. So, And that's what happens, I think, after you win a Super Bowl. I think you lose the chip on your shoulder. So, um, It didn't look like that week one. No, not against the Packers. No. But that was in Seattle. So I think they might be a little more vulnerable. Do you ever go over to those games? The uh, football? I, we had seats. Sorry, we had season tickets for a couple of years, uh, but they were in the nosebleed seats, you know, because the Niners and we had season tickets for the Packers when I was a kid, but only at the Milwaukee. Oh, okay, yeah, I think you told That's me when that. They yeah. split up the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I gotta be honest, you know, I don't want to be. Uh, I'm sure this is, you know, heresy, but I really enjoy watching football on the television, you know, on the 50 inch TV. Oh, I agree. I agree completely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's way better on television. I think so. Way better. Yeah. Even better uh, is on television and on DVR, where you can skip through the commercials. Skip the commercials. Well, they don't. Yeah. They don't want to hear that. But uh, the NFL, I'm sure, doesn't want to hear that. But it's a whole lot better when I can uh, start the game. You know, 45 minutes. Uh, you know, after it started, I start watching it. You catch up basically right at the end of the game. Yeah. 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 As long as you stay off social media, you don't get any spoilers. Yeah. 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 Which you know. Habits form where you know there's a there's a moment of uh, downtime and it's the phone comes out oh, Facebook Twitter what's going no 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 scores no scores yeah problems in two thousand I, I do I do like that idea Justin yes about, uh, DVRing the game and then watching it at uh, two o'clock instead of one fifteen mm-hmm. yeah that's a, that's a free tip for you yeah How and about, and for our listeners and for the listeners yes exactly exactly uh. How's the? Uh, are you still doing that Will and Willie show? The Will and Willie podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's available at willandwillie.com. dot com, and uh, it's me and the former mayor of San Francisco, Willie Brown. We used to have a radio show for a year, a morning radio show, which killed me. Uh, the four thirty a.m. wake up call, huh? and uh, you know, I talked to Miss Shannon Paul, who does radio, mm-hmm. and she's got a friend who's on the. Uh, isn't it KQRS? Well, that's me. I work yeah. at KQ. Yeah. Yeah. And what the, what's your wake-up call? I get up at... Qu- my alarm goes off at quarter to five. For now, as I was telling you before we started recording, I'm moving very soon. Right, right. And unfortunately, the direction I'm moving is farther oh, away no. from work. Oh, yes. No. Closer oh, to my... No. Closer to your kids, but farther away from work. Closer to my kids when they're with my ex-wife, yet farther away from work. Farther away from here, farther away from the uh, radio job, farther away from my job at Target Field. Yeah. So not the best idea. So yeah, I'm going to, it's quarter to five now. It's going to have to get bumped back. Probably another, yeah, probably 4.30 right. starting in a few weeks. You know, I only did the, I only did the morning show for a year and it, it took me three months to get over my sleep deprivation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah? yeah? Well, what time is it? You know, it's uh, early afternoon a, right now. You going to get a nap? And I'm drinking coffee? No, because I'm going to pick up my kids as soon as we're done here. Yeah. Nonstop. You're a good dad. <laughs> I'll admit, I did sneak home between uh, this morning working at the radio station and here, and I 20-minute power nap. That doesn't count. I did it. That's so Einstein of you. I know. <laughs> That's the... <laughs> That's the only time someone could say that compare me to Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. I here's another thing I do with um, 
everyone I have on the podcast here, I'll set up a Google alert. So I'll get updates on, you know, just to kind of keep in the loop of what people are doing mm-hmm. while they're gone and not back at Acme. And I've so I've had one set for Will Durst for the last year and a half. I don't think anyone in, comes up more in my Google alerts than you, Will Durst, because you do so much writing and it's so many different places. Yeah, well, um, once a week, like today, Thursday, I do commentaries. So I send my commentaries out to 17 different radio stations. So I'll, I'll record one commentary, and then I'll customize the tag. So for Funny in the Morning, I'm Will Durst. For Howie's Freaky Fat Friday, I'm Will Durst. So 17 different tags, yeah. and I shoot those out. And then that's about 300 words. And then the next morning, Friday morning, I have a, a deadline for the column. And the column is mo- 95% of the time based on the commentary the day before. Okay. And so that's 550 to 600 words. And I shoot that out, and it goes to various websites, but it also gets syndicated by a, a group called Kegel Cartoons, who mostly specialize in editorial cartoons, but uh, they also have a couple of uh, columnists that they send out, and I'm one of them. And I get into about 35 or 40 newspapers a week, but none of the big ones. You know, it's always, you know, this secondary market, like uh, uh, the Prescott Statesman. They hate me in Prescott, Arizona. Um, I get most bad emails from their angry emails. You mean they don't agree with your politics in <laughs> Prescott, Arizona? In Arizona? No. Uh, where else? Uh <laughs> Uh, Osceola, Florida, I get angry emails. You know, so it's like, you know, the the, the Pekin Times, Pekin, Illinois. Oh, those yeah. bastards. Yeah, I Pekin. know. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's what I do. And then I write um, bi-monthly. I write for a magazine called The Progressive Magazine. And I write, uh, I write you know, um, contract stuff. Uh, a couple of magazines hire me. And blah, blah, and hootie-doo. Certainly not slowing down. No, but, it, it, you know, just staying in the mix. I don't have kids. Yeah. You know, I don't uh, – Debbie and I are kids. It wouldn't be fair. So. <laughs> and I'm doing the one-man show. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you next. How yeah. is that going? Well, <clears throat> I think I told you this in May. Uh, the the kernel of the the uh, the uh, the embryo of this show was – I wrote a show about – because it's easier for me to do theaters than it is comedy clubs. Because mm-hmm. there's, you know, a lot of the clubs that I do, you know, the middle act goes up there and every other word, is, you know, he, he's dropping F-bombs sure. and it's all about pussy yeah, and yeah. masturbation and stuff. And then I can't do political <laughs> stuff after that. So he poisons the room for me. So Or she does. You know, I, ha- I had a woman, all she talked about was dick sucking, you know, which was great. She was hysterical, but... You know, okay. Uh, so, <laughs> so I, I. That's still, that's your bread and butter. How I, dare she? Yeah. What are you doing? I'm the dick sucker. No, no. Wait a minute. No, no. Wait. Yeah, I got to recall that. Uh, uh, so, um, I I started doing one man shows because I dig the 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 theater audience. Right, right. You know, they're sitting semi erect and facing forward and listening to the words. And I'm too old for the comedy club. You know, why is this bitter old man lecturing me? So it's good. I did a show in 07 off-Broadway, and it was about the Bush administration. It was called the All-American Sport of Bipartisan Bashing. And then in 2012, I did a show called Elect to Laugh. And 
the 2012 cast of characters was just wonderful. It was, you know, all these Republicans. They didn't, they didn't really like Romney, so they tried out everybody. Ten people led the polls besides Romney on the Republican side. Our and guy here. So um, everybody knew. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Michelle. Tim Michelle. Palenti, yeah. Michelle led the polls yeah. at one point. Uh, it was the Iowa Straw poll in 2011, but still, she led the polls. And so everybody knew who Michelle was, and everybody knew who Herman Cain was. And usually, you know, these sidereal, you know, fringe characters, people don't know. But but every every audience member, and, and also when I did a show called The Like to Laugh, I got people coming to see the political humor on purpose. Mm-hmm. But then the problem was, on November 7th, it evaporated. Yeah, yeah. Nobody cared about Rick Perry or Rick Santorum or Rick Gingrich or any of the other Ricks or Dicks <laughs> ever So that's why I wrote The Boomer Show. Because in, in those nine months that I had done the Elect a Laugh show, it had gotten so tight. And that's how I work. I write a skeleton and, and then you, know, you compress it so that it's joke joke and then you blow it up because you include more stuff and, and then you distill it again and, until it's 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 lush like a tropical rainforest and and i wanted to do that with a, a show that would last that would be evergreen and that's what the boomer show is and i've been doing it for a year and a half and it's really really good you know, and I, I, you know, I have cute little tricks. I have an overhead projector that yeah. I use, and right. you know, and it's it's. Have fun. you burnt out that light bulb? Yes, I'm on my second bulb. Was that easy to find a replacement? No, <laughs> it wasn't easy to find. 3M stopped making overhead projectors in 2012. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's recent. Wow. Oh, yeah. Surprising. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I'm what I'm trying to do, and what I'm doing here. In town, uh, along with this show, is uh, at Acme was I cleverly because uh, I knew way back when this conference was happening, the Arts Midwest Conference, and it's presenters from little theaters all over the Midwest, and they come and then you hand out your wares, but nobody's paying any attention to me because there's so many big time guys with agents and managers and stuff. But I I think you got to do one before you actually know what's going on. Yeah, but that. The Arts Midwest Conference is happening, and I'm flacking my little show. My you still range. have your name tag on. Oh, sh- yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. New colleagues. See, I'm, I'm one of the first. Ah, yeah. It's my first time. I'm uh-huh. a virgin. You are, or you already earned a green ribbon. I, yes. <laughs> Whatever going, that means. I'm going for red. <laughs> um, I also saw recently uh, you were a grand marshal of a Fourth of July parade. What does what does that mean to be a grand Man, marshal? I, I sat in a con- uh, convertible and waved. It was so weird. <laughs> it was Half Moon Bay Fourth of July parade. How did yeah. why uh, why you? Uh, because Jim Harbaugh canceled. <laughs> You're kidding? No. <laughs> That's exactly why. Yeah. And I got the call like uh, five days in front of you. Want to be a grand marshal? Uh, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. sure. I didn't find out till afterwards about the Jim Harbaugh thing. So <laughs> That's funny. I don't think they wanted to depress me up front. They didn't mind afterwards. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> Our, uh, so back to the writing. You have some books out. Anything? You working on any books now? Anyone? Anything yeah, you there's can. A, there's a new book uh, coming out by a group called Laughing Liberally. Okay. And uh, there's about twelve contributors, and I'm one of them. Oh, okay. So. All right. 
All right. I, uh, you know, I, this is something I was thinking about. I wanted to ask you the, um, you know, like your, your show that you do all about your generation, the baby boomers. Yeah, yeah. How about, what are your thoughts on our youngest generation right now? The millennials? Yeah. Are you a millennial? No. You're, no, I'll you're be... Gen X. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gen X is uh, 65 through 83, and millennials are 84 through 2002. Millennials were originally called Gen Y, oh, Generation right. Y, that's but right. then they demanded their own name, so you got to give them credit for that. It's about the only, you know... <laughs> only incursion into change that they've actually <laughs> no that's not true because uh, the kids you know they're uh, I, don't, I don't you know every generation thinks the next generation is screwed yeah you know I mean that famous quote you know the kids have no respect for their elders and they fritter away their time and then you realize oh Plato wrote this <laughs> you know yeah so what I mean, generation was he in exactly <laughs> you know and, and I think that you know the kids have their own music and their own style and and the tattoos now you know they're so and you do that on purpose to repel the previous generation right or at least your parents generation not necessarily the previous generation right 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 but uh, you know i mean nobody likes uh, i'm pretty sure you know johann sebastian strauss complained that the, his kids music was jungle music you know i mean <laughs> You know, everybody does. So that's why you listen to it. You're not supposed and nothing sadder than an aging hipster, you know. Right. Somebody into Maroon somebody my age into Maroon Five. That's really freaky. That's I just heard tickets creepy. for their show. They're coming uh to Minneapolis in the next several months. One hundred and fifty bucks for Maroon Five. For Maroon Five. Yeah. Yeah. 150 bucks. Maybe we all ought to get on the voice. I think that's know, the key to success. Holy cow. Do you know, I was at the Minnesota Convention Center, and I tried to get online, and uh, they were charging $80 for one day of wireless. What? In the convention center. $80. I thought it was a misprint. I thought it said seven ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. And I hit, yeah, and they say, okay, seventy nine ninety nine. I said, no! No, 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 no. That was seven ninety nine. That's That's so a I, monthly cable bill. Eight, or internet seventy nine yeah. ninety nine for one day at the convention center, and what does it cost them? Nothing. nothing. It's, it's it, already nothing. there. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. No. Nothing. Not even a penny. And I complained, and I went back, and I said eighty dollars. Yes, that's the cost of doing business. Eighty dollars. And I just kept saying eighty dollars, and the lady nothing. She obviously people had complained before. Yeah. She was not giving it up. No, if you want to go in the lobby, it's free. You know, and sometimes the the organization that hosts the event will pay for everybody. And I kept saying, $80! <laughs> Did she hold up your uh, new colleague, huh? Yeah. yeah. She was not happy. Oh, and, no. then, and then the person behind me had come in, and I said, as I'm leaving, $80! And the lady who, who had just come in the door said, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Well, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Grab a number. Yeah. Man, everything's about money. I mean, there's nothing. You know, you pay for on an airplane. They, they've monetized everything. It's going to be seatbelts are going to be sponsored pretty How soon. How about that? Uh, I don't know if you're flying as much as you ever Ryan have. Ryanair? Air? The, uh, they charge for the bathrooms? Well, how, oh, really? Well, no, they, they don't. They tried it. Really? They tried it. How about the, uh, the people are getting in fights on airlines over that... Uh, the knee defender. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Do you have one of those? Have you ever no, seen one? No, Any, no, no. 
What's your What's your uh, policy on leaning, putting the seat back? Uh, you'd be prepared. Just be prepared. Yeah. Don't have your Don't have your laptop up on an oblique angle. Make sure that it's acute. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oblique and acute. I have an I have a cute uh, laptop. I do. It's a little <laughs> oh. bit, little eleven inch. <laughs> Adorable, you mean? Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> uh, and I, I have a feeling you'll have some thoughts on this one. I love that. I know that you are um, with all, with all the newspapers and that you read and all the commentary that you do. That you're so in touch with, like you know, current events. So I appreciate that. It's very exciting to come in to talk to someone like please. You. Not nothing about ISIS or Ebola or Gaza or the Ukraine. Please explain why Scotland. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> this is from a few months ago, actually. <clears throat> Free pot for the homeless in Berkeley, California. Yeah, what's wrong with that? Explain that to me. What's wrong with it? You don't you don't want them, you know, up and about. You want them sitting down behind a tree, <laughs> contemplating nature. You know? I got to say, you read that story. You know, I'm the producer of the morning show over at KQ, so my job, you know, I gather Find m- most of the stories that we yeah, do. Yeah. And when you see something like that, it's just like, you what, what, what? What's happening? Free pot. Free pot? Yeah. So, you know, the problem with that is you end up with a lot of homeless posers. You know, they're not really homeless. They're just there for the pot. I mean, it it said to be eligible, a single, uh, you know, a family of one, let's say. (laughs) Yeah, right. $32,000 income or less annual. annual, I know. Or $46,000 for a family of four. If you're less than forty six thousand family of four, you're getting free pot in Berkeley, California. I think that's great. I mean, it's uh, you know. Can you imagine if you had forty six thousand dollars in in Minot, North Dakota? I mean, that's you're living like a king. Yeah, but you're living in Minot. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. No thanks. Yeah, no I know. thanks. I know a lot of us. <laughs> you I know how much wireless is a day. Eighty dollars. <laughs> how much is it in Minot? <laughs> Free. <laughs> Speaking of money, right now, if you go to eBay, where is that sheet? Here it is, right here. If you go to eBay today, today, if it hasn't sold already in the next or in the last few hours, there is a copy of the unofficial Dan Quayle video for five dollars and fifty nine cents in very good condition. Of course, it's on VHS. <laughs> I have two of those. <laughs> Was it, is it worth five dollars and fifty nine cents in two thousand fourteen, or yeah. much more? You know, they sh- they should actually transfer that to video, uh, DVD to video, to, yeah, digital. Uh, we did that in eighty eight. Who's we? No, in ninety two, we did that. Uh, it was. Uh, um, uh, the well, the producer of the show was a guy named Steve Salvatore, but it was for Best Brains. No, Best Brains is out of here. That's Mr. Best, Science yeah, Theater, guys. MST3K, yeah. yeah. I can't. Popular Arts, I think it was. Okay. And um, so they commissioned. Uh, so we went to um, Harrington, Indiana, where he's from, and we interviewed people, and, and we just included clips of him. And I was the host of the show. So, yeah. I, I see it. It has a sticker on it that says, including the Murphy Brown update. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember. Remember, she said something, or he said something, because, and he did that in San Francisco at the Commonwealth Club. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the exact details yeah. of that. But. Well, she was, she was, uh, she chose to be a single mother 
on purpose, and he said that that kind of thing was destroying American values. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. That is right. I don't know why. I just I got a kick out of seeing that an unofficial yeah. Dan Quayle video. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that include shipping? Uh, let's see here. Mm. I don't think so. You, uh, I, I don't know, but today only there's a 20% discount. So it was actually originally listed as six ninety nine. So. Five ninety nine is not twenty percent less than six ninety nine. You save one forty. Twenty percent of six ninety nine isn't five fifty nine. Oh, yeah, five fifty nine. What did yes. I say? Yeah, okay. yeah, dollar forty. Yeah, yeah, very good. <laughs> so put that on your watch list. We should all bid it up and see what it gets to. I have a couple of copies. I don't need it. Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, anything else we haven't mentioned that we that you got going on in the next year, next day, next month? I'm sure there's something, but I, you know, um, it's I, uh, my dad was like a John Garfield kind of a guy. You know, he had like this miserable existence. He was an orphan. He bounced between foster homes. Uh, there's question about whether he was sexually abused, you know, by elders and stuff. He joined the Navy at the age of 17, shipped off to the Philippines, came back to California, got a couple of bit parts in movies, wanted to pursue it, but then came back to Wisconsin to clean up his affairs, and then I showed up. And then uh, he worked, you know, and worked and worked. He was a bartender. He was a... He was a bus driver. He was a window washer. I mean, he did everything. He worked at J.I. Case and Alice Chalmers, and then he worked at Kearney and Trucker for 32 and a half years. Would have been 33, but they canned him six months before he qualified for his full pension. Yeah, on purpose. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And he never said a bad word about him. Wow. He just kept going forward. He just kept moving forward. You know, he was like, he wasn't sleek or gammon or, or you know, he wasn't like uh, fashionable, but he, he was like one of those Siberian icebreakers that just keep, you know, incrementally, inch by inch, step by step. Uh, Niagara Falls. Uh, so he, so that was my dad, and I kind of picked that up. I, I have no idea of iniquities in the past, and I'm sure injustices have been portrayed upon me as I have, you know, uh, traversed uh, unjustly upon others. But uh, just keep moving forward. Yeah. That's my plan. That's good. I do have one more question. I do have one more answer. Okay. I don't remember seeing this when I was looking stuff up about you last time we talked. So if I did, uh-uh. I, I, I apologize. Uh-uh. But, and I found this on Wikipedia, so I never know when I can trust off that site. I mean, I could go put that you're my uh, long lost, you know, stepfather on there, and right now, and people would, you know, have to. I'll take that. Okay, sure, sounds good. I will too. Um, on February twenty fourth, two thousand, you were a phone a friend for someone on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, Rudy Reber. Really? Yeah. It was the $250,000 question. And the question was, who directed Michael Jackson's bad video? Yeah. And I said it was John Landis. And I was wrong. Because he directed the Thriller video. Yeah. It was actually Martin Scorsese. Son of a bitch. And he went with me. And he was, uh, and I feel bad to this day, but... When you gave the answer, did you sound confident? I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, <laughs> I should not have. I always, I always wondered what the process was. So, uh, how much? I was head- in Chicago. I was working zanies. I was in the little comedy condo, 
And they said, uh, they called me up. Uh, they wouldn't use a cell phone. It had to be a landline for some reason. And I don't remember why. So I guess they called me up with the cell phone. I gave them the landline at the condo. Well, probably because in 2000, cell phones had a lot of dead spots. That might have been it. Yeah. And then um, they... So you had said, a window of like, what, an hour that they were yeah, going to call? Yeah, they said, or? we'll call you within 45 minutes. Okay. So an hour and a half went by. Oh. And I figured, oh, well, it's not going to happen. But they... Because he said he had to put down all four of his possible phone of friends. Yeah. So they had to make that call to each of them. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then, so I figured the time. So then they call, and I just answered the phone the way I or, always answer a phone. I thought it was just you know a regular person calling, and Durst. And, and then uh, uh, they asked me the question, and I got it wrong. <laughs> Poor Brody Reber. Poor baby. Are you still friends? No. No? No, he won't talk to me. <laughs> I don't blame him. No, I mean, yeah. But, yeah. He could have been a 250,000 heir. Yeah. And instead. Yeah. Yeah. 32,000. 32,000 heir. Poor baby. Mm-hmm. Well, Will, I don't know. I think that does it. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. And well, I got some, thanks for ending on that note, and Justin. I some, and I have some kids to pick up. but um, Yeah, can you give me a ride to the convention center? That is the opposite direction I'm oh, going. I'm sorry, but I probably can. Oh, hey, you know close. what? Let's leave. I got. Let's leave on this one. I got one more for you. I got a joke. Oh, hold on to that. I got one more here. All right, what? There was a uh, there was a school, and it doesn't matter where it is, but they were upset that uh, in the yearbook, the yearbook came out, and they posted a picture in there of some children, some high school kids, most voted most likely to skinny dip. So they were naked except covering up, you know, the private parts. And so, of course, parents are outraged. Were you voted anything? Would you have been voted most likely to skinny dip? Or what What were you? Or what could have you been uh, voted uh, back in, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin? Waukesha South, class of 70. What would I have been voted? Uh, voted most likely to have my ear pulled by a teacher in college, probably. <laughs> You know how they used to grab your ear and, and twist it, yeah, and lead you somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had a music teacher do that. I was kept uh, making up the lyrics for a song in fifth grade music class. She didn't appreciate that and ah. twisted my ear. Ah, yeah. That's uh, yeah. That's been coming up. You know, with all this AP talk and you know corporal punishment and how things were in school back. You know, back in my day and their day, and that 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 story's been coming up in my head quite a bit in this last week. Like. I'll never forget her. That was the one time where yeah. eh, I didn't go. I certainly didn't you go remember? home. Remember? Well, of course, and I didn't go home and tell my parents because they would have found out I did something wrong. Right? right. Yeah. Yeah. So. And she knew that. Uh huh. She had that on you. Yeah. yeah. Probably. There'll be no squealing here. No, no. How about that joke? Joke. My favorite joke from last year: a chicken and an egg are having sex. Finally, they finish. The egg rolls over, lights up a cigarette, turns to the chicken, and says. Well, that answers that. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I, like, I like use that to confuse the Friday second show audience. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Will, it's great Thank talking you, to Justin you. Justin Severson. I had a wonderful time. You made it sound like a conversation. <laughs> That's the goal. Yeah, That's it, the it goal. was. Uh, it was. Uh, uh, well accomplished. Thank, thank you. Continued success, sir. And back at you, mister. And I'll see you in a year and a half. Say hello to the crew at KQ. I will. 